I got to tell y'all about an experience before I get into the sermon um, because I didn't know how to work this into the sermon and it just would have sounded crazy, but I couldn't contain it. So my mother-in-law lost her uh, phone at the um, at the park and we realized it last night. Mother-in-law calls up um, well, my wife calls the phone. Somebody answers the phone and we're like, OK. The wife have a conversation with the guy, seems nice. He gives the address. Uh, 10.30 at night, I'm headed over there to go get the phone. Now, everything in my mind is, is starting to go crazy as I'm driving over there at 10.30. Okay, this is a setup. They about to try to steal my minivan. <laughs> right, right. You know they want the minivan, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm already got that. Okay, maybe they're going to try to jump me. Maybe, they want, maybe it's a hustle. They're going to want $100, you know, like all this bad stuff. So I pull up. Roll down the window, the guy comes off the porch. Hey, here you are. I'm happy we were able to find it. Like, man, that's not really kind of you, sir. I say, um, I say, you stay on the block of someone that I know. He's like, oh, cool. I was like, yeah. I said the name. He was like, oh, yeah. They're real cool. I was like, yeah, man, they're one of my church members. He's like, Oh, you go to Mac Ave. <laughs> Just like, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, man, well, thank you so much. Yada, yada, yada. We hope to see you great. We drive off. And as I was leaving, I was like crazy encouraged by this man. And then I also was crazy encouraged by this family. And then I thought, how many of my neighbors on my block would have said that about us? Not, not feeling guilty about it, just feeling like some people would have been like, yeah, they're a nice family. Some others would have been like, oh, yeah, like they got the kids or the, all these different accolades. But would they have connected for sure? He loves the Lord and I know where he's worshiping, you know. And I, I say that to you not as, a, as anything to tell you you're not doing good enough for you or, or even to say that this family is. I say this to say, man, it's just a blessing when people associate your character with Christ. With Christ. Amen. Let, let that be all of the aroma that we bring to our blocks is that, yeah, when I think of that family, I think of Christ. Let's get into the sermon. <laughs> Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this amazing team that worshiped you. We thank you for our pastor that sought you in prayer. We thank you for our sister that announced amazing things taking place within our community, Lord. And now we get a chance to proclaim your word. Move me so that they may see you, see you clearly. Take away the distractions that would hinder that. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I ask you about an image of greatness, what comes to mind? When you think of a, of, of a person that is great, what person comes to mind? Maybe you start thinking of this little short, dark-skinned sister that does a bunch of flips. Maybe you start thinking of Simone Biles. Yep. Some people say greatest gymnast to ever walk this earth. Maybe you start thinking of James Brown. Which I was about to try to hit it, y'all. I can't do it. Uh, maybe you think of the greatest R&B singer or, or Prince. Maybe you think of uh, 
a musician. I'm trying to see if I can build me some relational capital with, with Pastor K. Maybe you think of a, a, a greatest hockey player like Steve Yazerman or, or Wayne Gretzky. Did I get it right? I'm trying, I'm trying to build, y'all. I'm trying to, I'm trying to connect, you know? That's what I said. That's what I said. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? Or maybe you're thinking of, of, of Serena, the greatest tennis. For me, though, for me, when I think of the, the greatest image, I think of a great person, it is undeniably Michael Jordan. It just, it just, is, it just is where my mind automatically goes. Uh, when I think of a perfection on all levels, from his jumper to the way he would dunk on you, but it wasn't just that one aspect. It also was the way the man wore a suit, and he had this walk about him. He had the suit game, he had the talking game, everything he said that seemed to flow, and then you would see him in the movies, and if you could dunk with Bugs Bunny, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> perfection. It was this, this image of perfection. And, and I saw a, a level of expectation that I had with Michael Jordan that was above kind of the the common man, because I, I saw him as great. I revered him to a certain level. We all have people that have been in our lives. Some are folks that are untouchable, that we've never seen and never grasped. Others are folks that have raised us and been in our own homes. And we have these ideas of greatness where we revere them to a certain level. The gospel today will help us understand how, how revering people can be healthy, but no one is greater than Jesus. And so if you would continue with me in our series and turn to Hebrews chapter 3. We've been in our book of Hebrews where we are fixing our gaze, focusing our eyes on Christ. He is where we are targeting and he is our everything. And the first chapter helped us understand that uh, Jesus was greater than angels. Any spiritual revelation, any type of miraculous thing that you could imagine, Jesus was greater. And then in chapter 2, helped us realize that Jesus is fully man. And so him being fully God and fully man allows him to care for and carry our sins in a way that was beyond what we could do ourselves. And now we're going to dive into to chapter 3. Chapter 3, book of Hebrews. And if somebody has one of our Bibles and can shout out that page number, that would be a blessing. 1002, Hebrews chapter 3. And it reads, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than a house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in 
our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. My daughter uh, just went to homecoming um, yesterday, and uh, we're in a different, a different, uh, different era uh, I'm not going to embarrass her too much, but Daddy almost bought a pickup truck and put a long rifle on the back of it and wanted to drop him off in the truck. You know what I'm saying? Hey, don't even look at her. Hey, so uh, we was at home. She went and did her homecoming. Um, and my wife posted, you know, a cute picture of her on Facebook. And she said, you know, Shiloh Booper. And it's like, yeah, that, that, that's a nickname we use. That's a, a term of endearment. There's a, a connection with that, with that term. And here in verse 3, he starts off, therefore, holy brothers, brothers, this familiar term, this term of connection, this term where there's a communication of a bond that's deep. Because you see, family was everything in this culture. Family was your inheritance. Family was your support. If something were to happen to you, family was all. And so he refers to them as brothers building the the bond, building the communication, building the love and affection. And he says, holy, there's this bond of brotherly love for a people that is set apart for Christ's sake, a people that are going to look different, a people that are different because their God is different. What's the term that you would use to describe a people intimately close to you? I love when I walk in and out of the store, I have heard so many terms from what up dog to what up cuz to just what up doe, what up fam, and, and it continues on and on. And here he's bringing them into a reminder of something deeper, something that connects even back to the beginning of God breathing life into man. He's saying we are all set apart for God and we are under his authority and we are family. But we are called to something greater. Notice he says in verse one, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling. Consider Jesus. You share not simply in in a lineage and a connection, just not something that is familial. You share in something that is eternal. You share in a reward of heaven. Yes, this book is written to people who are struggling. An entire group of people who are going through persecution and he wants to renew their minds. I want to take you from just this moment of pain, which is real, which he does not ignore and say, but I need to fix your gaze on something bigger. I got to put your gaze on something that is heaven bound so that you can have something, some motivation to help you endure. I want you thinking heavenly. Heavenly. And then he says, consider Jesus the apostle, and the high priest of our confession. We, uh, we like to go to the movies pretty often, and um, 
Rebecca's uh, family and I, sometimes we get together and we went to a, um, to a movie theater. And if you go to a movie theater like where, where we are, like we like the big leather seats, recline, the popcorn. Sometimes we don't get to eat, so we order a pizza. They do everything there now, right? But if you go to small town Ohio, where some of Rebecca's family is, the person that takes your ticket, gives you money, takes your ticket, that person goes behind, makes your popcorn. Then that person comes, walks you to your seat, and then they sweep up afterwards. Like that person is like doing everything at the theater. You see this, this example here of Jesus is letting us know he serves multiple roles. He is the messenger of God, the apostle, God's very voice. The mission of God was given to Christ, and he came to redeem all things. But he didn't just come to tell us about it. He didn't just come to make us aware of it. He didn't just come to open our minds to it. He also is the mediator that would bring us through it. And so from the gate, he's saying we are a family, holy and separated for God. Holy and separated for things that are beyond what we are currently experiencing. And guess what? I'm going to tell you about it and bring you to it. But as Christ is the mediator, he's also going to bring you through it. He loaded us up in just verse one. Now, it's all for a, for a, for a confession. Confession is when you, you are agreeing to, to a statement, you are willing to commit to a statement. It can be an admittance of guilt, but also a confession is when you are saying, hey, here are some things I ascribe to and I believe these things. I said the earliest confessions of Christians, uh, the, the Faith Study Bible says this, it says there were three main things that were confessed by the earliest Christians. First, Jesus is the Christ. Second, Jesus is Lord. And third, he is the Son of God. That's Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Lord. And Jesus is the Son of God. All of those things would, would, would lead you to, to receive punishment. All those things would lead you to receive challenge, persecution. All those things would lead you to Potential death. Continue with me in verse 2. Who has faithful, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all of God's house. Who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. Jesus was fully faithful. Jesus responded to the message, responded to the mission that the Father gave him, executed it perfectly. But now it also brings up another faithful one. Helps us understand that Moses was faithful in all God's house. John 17 tells us that Jesus said, hey, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do, Father. But then in Numbers chapter 12, it says this about Moses. How would you like this said about you? My servant Moses, he is faithful in all my house. How would you like that said about you? My, my servant, faithful 
in all of my house. But notice a, sm- a subtle difference. Moses is faithful in the house. He is a servant in the house, doing things inside the house, being told what to do inside. But Jesus is faithful over the house. He is faithful as, as one who has created the house. The house is, is you find uh, himself being one that allows the house to flourish. He does not simply carry out tasks. He is the sustainer of God's house. I'm grateful for the, the love that I have seen and shown, uh, seen displayed by, by many believers. But uh, it, it is, this is, this is a worship environment. Praise the Lord. It is a, it is a, a place where we come to worship God. Um, there's been temples. There's been sanctuaries. There's a lot of different terms used uh, for what this place is. Uh, house, but, but typically when you see the term house used in the Bible, it's referring to you and I. It's referring to us as beings. It's referring to the place where the spirit of the Lord dwells in us. And so even here, he's trying to make sure we get that no matter what persecution you go through, no matter what environment you find yourself in, you are the house of the Lord. And Moses was faithful to care for God's people when they had huts and when they were sojourning through the desert. Moses was faithful to care for the house of God's people and Christ is caring for us. Continue me in verse three. Says, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built but someone by someone, but the builder of all things is God. So now we start to see this comparison. Moses would have been seen as 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 every type of of positive figure you could imagine. If you could imagine your father being being the, the person that you look up to, he would have been that. If you could imagine your, your cousin as the person you look up to, if you could imagine your, your teacher, whoever it is that you say, man, this person is the greatest, there would have been a connection to Moses as one of the greatest figures in history. And not simply like somebody at a distance, someone close. At night, when, when you laid down to go to sleep, they would have said, hey, let me tell you a story. When our people felt like there was nowhere to go and there was a seed that lied before us, guess who took us through that? God working through Moses. When it seemed like every enemy and every plan that the enemy had was working against us, Guess who brought some plagues? God working through Moses. You see, this Moses figure would have been been revered. It would have been held onto. It would have been celebrated. It would have been elevated. And then it would have been compared to Jesus. Would have said, wait a minute. I know you got Moses up here. I know you got Moses in a level where you think he was the best thing since sliced bread. And guess what? He was amazing. Guess what? He was faithful. If you want to try to have an earthly comparison and set your eyes on someone, go ahead. Go with Moses. 
but in comparison to Jesus, he was a humble servant. In comparison to Jesus, he was one that cared for the house. But see, it makes Jesus here the, the, the owner. It makes Jesus here not simply someone who cares for the house, but also the architect. We started doing some work around the, the church building when we bought it, and the Lord blessed us with this building. You guys were amazing in praying. You guys were amazing in fundraising. We, we, but, but when we bought the building, the building didn't look like this. Uh, we made some upgrades, uh, gym, a lot of different stuff. And, and I did, I've never worked with an architect. Uh, we, we, Boo and I, we got our house. We was like, okay, what are we going to do here? Okay, I guess we're going to go for it. Hiring an architect wasn't even in our thoughts. Well, something on this scale, we brought an architect in. Architect reformatted things, moved things around, said, not only will I design it, I will also manage the construction company to make sure that they are achieving your design goals. I, I will supervise this whole thing so that by the end, you get exactly what you're hoping for. You see, Christ is like the architect, not simply a, a laborer that can be faithful in just one thing. No, Christ is looking over the entire house of God, seeing all of us and saying, I will care for you, lead you, be your mediator and sustain you. Moses was great, but he can't do all that. Moses was good, but he can't do all that. And so the question then becomes, what are the things that would lead us? Who is the person that would lead us to put our hope in that's not Christ? Where do we feel ourselves being drawn to giving people more power and authority than they should have? I, uh, I, I was listening to a gospel song, and uh, it was this artist who actually did a performance during a Christian um, uh, award show? You know, like the what's the grand, like the Christian Grammys or some Christian the Dove Awards, one of those. And and she she went off script and she said, "Y'all, I, I had a song planned, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna freestyle this song that I had that I made." And her song was called uh, actually it don't have a name. She just flowed with, "Why do I worship my phone?" She talked about how God is longing to connect with us and hear from us, but how she was more inclined to go to her phone first for an answer than go to Christ. See, because the phone is just a tool to have you accessing stuff. It's a tool to have you accessing people. I, I, I got some folks that are influencers on my phone and Instagram, and I'm like, dang, I, I say I don't care about what they say. But if I look at how many times I've listened to what they say, I think I care. I think the phone would reveal how much influence these other voices are having. And now you hear, Pastor, I'm not saying voices are all bad. What I'm saying is if there is one who is supremely faithful, if there is one who can do far more things than any of these people who may be good people, how, what is the direct connection we have unto him? If we were to go and scroll through, how much direct pursuit 
are we making of him? That's what the, the, the writer is trying to help them understand in this Hebrew text. You're going through some stuff. You are going through some persecution. And there is one who is faithful that you know well. Moses, let me point you to one even greater. If Moses was great, Jesus is greater. If Moses was faithful, Jesus is more faithful. See, there's a a role difference. You have different expectations when you understand who Christ is. You have different expectations between the one who creates and sustains the house and one who maintains the house. We were um, uh, going out to eat, and y'all know, you go out to eat sometimes, you have amazing service, sometimes you don't. And... uh, when, when, when you have a situation where you're not getting amazing service, who do you want to speak to? You, you, don't, go, you don't go looking for the janitor. You, you don't, you, it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's intuitive, right? It's just you, you go, who can make some things happen here? You look for the manager. You look for the owner. You see, Christ is, is clearly communicating there's a different level of expectation we should even have as we consider human people as faithful as they can be. There's only so much authority that they have. And so what does it look like when Christ is waiting there saying, come, come to me, come. Continue me, y'all. Verse 5. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if we indeed, if, excuse me, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Here's one of the main differences between the beauty of these two figures, right? And I, I love how the, the gospel writer can, can still elevate and encourage you to celebrate Moses, but then just celebrate Jesus that much more. And sometimes what we tend to do when we compare is we want to tear one down in order to lift one up. See, the writer's not doing that. He's saying, oh, Moses was faithful. He was dope. Jesus is even better. But, but here's how the, the beauty of Moses fell short. See, with Moses' promises, with his covenants, there was something that we all received. And, and don't get me wrong, sometimes I want to receive it. There was physical, tangible things you received under Moses. With Moses, you went to a promised land. God said, I'm going to take you to a place a place that I have for you. In Exodus 8, he says, I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. That's a great thing when you are people without a home. That's a great thing when you are people that's struggling. Having your physical needs met is extremely important. And we ought to be seeking the Lord for that today. And some of us have been seeking the Lord for some time and don't grow weary. Or I should say, if you are growing weary, don't give up. Because the Lord sees you and wants to meet you even in the midst of your crying out and seeking to him, seeking him. So having things that are tangible are really good. 
But see, in, in, in Jesus, we find the fulfillment of Ezekiel 36, 26, which says this, not simply some land was going to be faithfully given as was brought forth through Moses, but actually a change in who we are as people. It says in verse 26 and 7, it says, and I will give you a new heart. A new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart. Excuse me. Remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You see, one gave you a land. But another says, I'm going to give you land and I'm going to I'm going to actually care for your heart. I'm going to see you revived. I'm going to take a dead person and make you alive. That's why Jesus is so much better. That's why he is so much greater. That's why he is faithful, 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 because he does a work in our hearts that Moses could never do. He gives us new life. And that is why we worship him. That is why we praise him. That is why we adore him. See, there's good people all around. Don't get me wrong. Martin Luther King Jr., amazing. D.L. Moody, amazing. Harriet Tubman, Fannie Lou Hamer, Billy Graham, Moses. Amazing people who you you hear about as you grow, as as you come about. But they couldn't do anything for our hearts. But I want to make it a little bit, a little bit closer, a little bit more close to home. I want to play a little game with y'all in the midst of the sermon. I want to ask you to, we're going to do a little bit of, a little bit of guess who, all right? Now, I, I asked a few people, I said, uh, what I want to do is show the, the closeness of, of Moses and the even greater closeness of Christ. God bless you. And so I said, hey few church members, would you mind sending me a picture of you with a loved one that was really impactful in your life uh, when, you were, when you were younger or at some stage in your life? Just give me uh, a picture of you with somebody that truly, truly invested in you and uh, made your life better, who you revere and have great honor for. So this first uh, person, I want to see if y'all can guess who it is. Bring up that first one for us. Who y'all guessing? Shauna. Okay, okay. It is not Shauna. It is Natasha. And she's with her. She's with her little sister. You know what I'm saying? And and there's a bond there. There's there's some history there. There's some experiences there that that make her reverence for her sister beautiful. All right, next one. And the person is the little baby in the lap. Mm. <laughs> that's, our, that's our sister Monica. Yeah, yeah, sitting there with grandma and just, you know, how uh, awesome is it to have a, a grandmother's presence, right? That, that comforting touch, that... That, that wisdom that flows down. Next one is a, a, a young man hanging with, it with his grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> he 
still look the same, brother. Still looking the same, you know. You know, but you 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 look there, and it, it's almost as if you can hear his grandfather imparting something into him. You know, it's it it's just a. Uh, it, it, the, this, is, this is the type of experience that the people of God would have been having when they were thinking of Moses. Look how close he was to the success of who we are as a people. Next one. Chilling with her grandma. Our sister Tamara. Indeed, indeed. And the last one. A, a, a brother with his with his big sister. I know you got to squint to get. I, we put three up there. I should have zoomed in on one. That's our brother Carl. Uh huh. Our brother Carl, you over there? Family. We the 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 goal of this short exercise is for for you to just for you to now take from these words, like God's word coming alive of like the depth of love that's present and how through his word, he's communicating to them, this Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he wants to faithfully care for you greater than the most amazing idea of a person that you could have. This Jesus is greater. This Jesus, a bond. This Jesus servant. We're going to finish out, y'all, in, in two hours, okay? We're going to finish in two hours. Mm-hmm. Moses was amazing because he, he said this in Deuteronomy 18. He said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers, and you must listen to him. See, Moses was telling us about Christ. Moses was getting us ready for this, this amazing apostle, this amazing mediator. Moses was preparing us. And so these last verses, verses 7 through 10, are a, a rephrasing of Psalm 95. And, and the goal here is really for us to not miss verse 8. And that's where we'll land for tonight. Because, see, you can understand that God loves you. You can understand that Jesus is faithful. You can understand the beauty of relationships, of, of people that have invested in you and seen you grow. You can understand and grasp and wrap your mind around it, but it should lead you to action. It should lead you to moving. It should lead you to responding. And, and here's the warning that's going to start one of the five warnings that's in this book, uh, verse 8 says, Do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. Do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. Why is he saying? He's saying, hey, you are in the midst of persecution. You're being challenged. I'm helping you see the beauty of who God is and how he's so much greater. And you could turn and walk away. You could choose to reject this truth that I'm giving you. 
Hebrews is probably one of the most uh, joyful books that that helps us wrestle through God's sovereign hand, meaning that God is all knowing and all and always in control. He never loses control, but also fully provides some free will too. that humans are not mere robots, that we have some decisions to make. And there's this tension that we're going to see all throughout Hebrews where that's one of the themes. But here he says, let's be clear. Do not harden your hearts in rebellion. Don't hear this word. Don't listen to this word. Don't understand this word. Don't get a, mind, a picture in your mind of somebody greater than your greatest friend as Jesus and then turn and do nothing. Respond in action. Respond in faith. Respond in love. And if you are a person that's here with us right now, you can respond right now. We don't have to wait. You can respond right now by saying, Lord, I want to live for you. You see, sometimes we can we can, you know, set up the environment and all of that. And that's it's beautiful when we have all things working. But sometimes you come to faith in the quiet stillness of your heart where you're saying, Lord, I want to follow you, I want to walk with you, I want to I submit, I believe you are greater, and nobody else actually hears you verbally say it. Some of us, though, don't need to come to faith. Some of us need to reset our faith. We need a, a, a reset where now we are saying, no, today, Lord, is going to be the first day of me faithfully following you because there's no voice greater than yours. Hear me here, no voice greater. And there are some great voices out there. I think uh, counselors are great. I think teachers are great. I think friends are great. I think uh, therapists, all, every, yeah, could all be amazing. But no voice greater than Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, we get to delight in you. And you love us so much that you would send your son. Send him to bring a message of hope. Send him to bring a, a message of restoration, but also be our mediator that would walk us through your hope plan. So let us, Lord. Let us not be people who respond by rebelling. Let us not be people who are like, yeah, that was good, but I'm, I got to go do my thing. No, Lord. Let us submit our ways to yours. Let us respond in obedience and respond in joy. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus. And all the saints together said, amen.